God, how great you are. We are overwhelmed by how great you are. We are overwhelmed by your beauty, by your glory. God, thank you. Thank you that you are a God who's approachable, that who desires our worship, invites our worship. We can come to you as we are, desiring to be in your presence, desiring to change, to be the holy people you've called us to be. You are worthy of that, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy and compassion, your love on a helpless, powerless, broken people, lost in sin, desperate for your love. Thank you for reaching down. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for bringing us into your kingdom, into your family, making us your people. So open our hearts tonight, God. Open our minds this morning as we desire to learn from your word. Give us ears to hear what you would have to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Is that awesome or what? My name is Pastor Matt Pierce. I'm one of the pastors here at Golden Hills, and I'm just delighted at the opportunity to to preach this morning, to bring God's word this morning. We're going to continue on in the series that we've been in uh, about the church. We're going to be talking about who are the leaders of the church today, but excuse me, I wanted to bring up a couple quick announcements. A lot going on here at the church. Hard to believe that uh, Halloween is just a few short weeks away, but it does kind of feel cooler, right? Would have been a stretch a week or two ago when it was 98, but um, much cooler, kind of feels like fall's coming on, coming in a little bit slow, but it's getting here. So on October 31st, which is a Sunday, um, at 5 p.m. on the plaza, we'll have decorated cars for trunk or treat, jump houses, food trucks, games, and lots of candy. So um, as you would expect, we can't do this without you, right? So we need more cars. They're going to be, if you were here last year, then you were participating in the parade of cars that went through. Cars were decorated. This year, we're going to be able to walk through. That's pretty cool. There'll be games in the cars, um, handing out candy from the cars. So we need more cars. And we also need lots of candy. So um, you can sign up online or via the resource email that goes out on Thursday. And I think there's some bins to drop off tons of candy. Boy, we need lots of candy. All right. Also, coming soon is Christmas. Now, that's a little bit more of a stretch, I think. But, man, it's, it's almost here. So every year, we're able to participate in Operation Christmas Child, which is a really cool thing from Samaritan's Person. What it is, in case you're not aware of that, is we pack up these shoe boxes for little boys and little girls with toys and the gospel and all kinds of other necessities and we send those things all over the world. So today we're gonna be handing out boxes with instructions, everything you need to know. Pick up a couple boxes, fill those things up. You'll get, um, you'll hear some announcements on when to bring those boxes back um, so that we can get that out. We, um, We have a team out there handing out shoe boxes. Come to our booth, grab a box. Uh, Awana is coming back on Wednesday night. Our Wednesday night kids program is officially filled up, club registration, but there's a wait list for the remainder of 2021. So come January, I think, is when this starts. 
Uh, so in order for club registration and the wait list to reopen in January, um, we'd love to see some other folks join the team. So that's one reason why there's a wait list is because we only have so many teachers and the classes fill up. So if you feel called by God to be a part of the Awana Kids program on Wednesday nights in January, um, you can stop by the table out front for more information about that. And lastly, <clears throat> back to Samaritan's Purse for a minute, we also do something really cool. I think it's amazing where teams of people, teams of individuals form and then go to various places around the country where they're needed. In this case, it's going to be Louisiana. There's some flood victims there. And we just go and serve. We go and serve and take care of the people there. It's, it's very well organized. So if you're interested in doing that, what you'd want to do is just call the church this week and say that you'd like to be a part of one of those Samaritan's Purse teams that are forming to go to Louisiana. Okay, I think that's everything. How you guys doing? <clears throat> we are gonna be talking about the leaders of the church today. So a quick review on where we've been these first couple of weeks in this series. This has been a great series. I think it's incredibly important that we understand what the church is about, um, the calling of the church, and what we've learned so far, among other things, is that the church isn't a building, right? It's not a place. Uh, it's a gathering of believers. It's a gathering of the saints blood-bought people of God who through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit belong to Christ and each other. It's a people. It's a gathering of the saints. The church is also where discipleship happens, where disciples are made, where disciples are maturing uh, through the teaching of God's word so that they can know him accurately, have an have a intelligent understanding of who God is, and we're discipled through the teaching of his word so that we can live a life pleasing to him, and then the body of Christ gets built up. That's also what's going on at the church. And the church is also commissioned by Jesus himself, amen, to go out and take the good news about what Christ has done on behalf of sinners like you and me into all the world so that all peoples might enjoy the fullness of Christ, the fullness of Christ in all of life. We found out and we learned last week from, from Pastor Phil that the church is also organized. It's not just a bunch of people that show up, right? <clears throat> and it, it's just, we figure it out when we get here. It's not like that because God is organized. There's structure to the church. There's an organization to the church. There's, the church is governed by leaders. Phil touched on that a little bit last week. That's what, tonight, that's what tonight, I keep saying tonight, that's what today is all about. Who are the leaders of the church? Who are these people that are called to lead the church? A couple of questions might be going through your mind right now is, um, I know, right? Who are these guys? How did they get to be leaders anyway? Did they show up one day, hey, I wanna be a pastor? What's the qualifications is there qualifications? I mean, what's it take? Is there a process? What are they responsible for? What qualifies somebody? And I mean, where are we going? What are they leading us to, right? <laughs> We're all here. There's leaders. There's structure. But what's the end goal? I mean, where are we going? What's the point? Where are they leading us to? 
Now I figure in a room this size with as many of us that are here this morning, there might be a couple of mindsets working, a thought process that's going on. One of them could be, you know, I get it. I, I understand that there's leaders, but I'm just kind of a me and Jesus kind of person, you know. Jesus is my leader. I don't need anyone telling me what to do. I answer to God. Okay. That could be what you're thinking right now. That could be what you're processing this through. Or maybe this one. Oh, yeah, leaders are great. Absolutely. Who else is going to take care of me, right? I mean, church is about me coming here, entertained, hear a good sermon, you know, have a quality worship band up there. Yeah, more leaders the merrier because I need a lot of help. So it's all about them leading me and I just kind of sit here. That could be a different mindset that you might have. Um, or you could think, I'm not a leader. I'm never going to be a leader. What am I doing here this morning? I could have been watching the football game. So I have no idea what this sermon's about. Well, we're hoping, I'm hoping that we're going to address those things here this morning. So we are going to talk about who the leaders of the church are, what they're responsible for, how did they get there, how did they get to be leaders, and then what's the congregation's response to this leadership? I mean, do they have authority over me? Do I, am I supposed to just do what these leaders tell me to do? I mean, that could be tough, especially in today's culture where authority is in question constantly and for good reason. So we're going to talk about those things and we're going to also talk about to what end. But a couple of quick things that are really, really important because when I say leaders, I'm going to be using terms. We're going to be reading a lot of scripture today and there's several words that are going to pop up depending upon which passage it is. I might read a word <clears throat> that, and I'll use the word elder, right? An elder, they're leaders of the church. Or I might read another passage and it could say overseer. Might, might use that term overseer, or it could say pastor or shepherd. And I want, what we need to understand right out of the gate here that more, this morning is that from the, from the scriptures, those terms are basically synonymous. They mean the same thing. Pastor, elder, overseer, shepherd, they mean the same thing. Let me, <clears throat> let me give you an, uh, an example. This is from the book of Acts chapter 20 where Paul is addressing some leaders and he says, uh, the, the Acts 17, 2017 says this, now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called, this is Paul, he called the elders of the church to come to them. So clearly, <clears throat> elders are leaders in the church. A couple verses later, same context, same group of people, Paul is giving some instructions here and he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. First he addresses them as elders, then he addresses them as overseers. To care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. That word care could also be shepherd or pastor. So in one setting, Paul uses all three terms. Why is this important? It's important that we understand, because when we're reading passages and a different word pops up, I just don't want it to be confusing, right? Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, there's elders and pastors at Golden Hills. Well, yes, you are right. There are elders and pastors at Golden Hills. There's also another office at Golden Hills, which we'll talk about in a minute, and that is the office of deacon, right? So in uh, the book of Acts, as 
the followers of Jesus grew, churches were formed, and formal leadership offices were developed. And there's really only two, the office of elder and the office of deacon. But when I say elder, I could mean elder, I could mean overseer, or I could mean pastor and shepherd. But there's only two. Do we get this? This is really important. And we don't get lost in the weeds here. So um, when it comes to Golden Hills, we do have an elder board. They are lay pastors. That's what, that's what we consider the elders of our church. They are shepherds, they are pastors, they are lay pastors, which means um, it's not their vocation, they have other jobs. Pastors here at Golden Hills, it's our vocation, right? It's what we do, I'd like to say 40 or 50 hours a week, but after doing it for 28 years, it's kind of like a 24-7 thing, right? It's just what we do, but we have them both. So another couple of important things, little ground, uh, ground, not ground rules, but just some information moving forward that the Bible provides us. We're gonna look at elders first, then we'll talk a little bit about deacons, then we'll talk about what's, what's, you know, what, what does this mean to you? But another really important thing to understand when we're talking about elders, we're talking about elders first, is that there should be, the Bible teaches there should be a plurality of elders, which means there should be multiple elders in any given church. Let's, let's see if this is true. So in Acts 21, when we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James and all the elders were present, multiple elders. It gets a little weird, I think, if there's a church and one guy's like calling all the shots. I mean, there's the, the subject of accountability. Like, who's he accountable to? I mean, he's overseeing that guy, right? Even in smaller churches where there isn't enough um, funding or whatever to have multiple pastors or elders, there should be an elder board with lay elders, right? We'll talk about why that could be very, very dangerous more in a little bit, but just to to prove even further, this is Titus chapter one. This is why I left you in Crete, Paul says to Titus, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders, multiple elders in every town as I directed you. And even in the book of James, when James is talking about helping people who are sick, he says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. This is really important. It's not just one, because that would just be a little fishy, I think. It's a plurality of elders. And lastly, wanted to clarify one other thing that's really important, and hopefully this will kind of bring us all into this message, but so there is the office, right? And then there's the gift. So I'm gonna be, putting some passages up on the screen and we're gonna be taking a look at some of the characteristics of an elder, some of the qualifications of an elder. But it's important to understand that, yeah, there's an office of an elder, but there's also the gift where the rest of us, all the disciples, all the followers of Jesus um, have those same commands that we ought to aspire to as well. Christ-like character able to teach some of those other things that we're gonna talk about, which are qualifications uh, for elders, but we're all kind of needing to pursue that as well. 
Um, so th- some of us have those gifts. Some of you have the gift to teach. Some of you have the gift to lead, but you don't have the office. What's the difference? Well, let me put it this way. A church officer, remember there's two, elders and deacons. A church officer is someone who has been publicly recognized as having the right and responsibility to perform certain functions for the benefit of the whole church. Publicly recognized, really, really important, okay? You might have the gift of teaching, but we're not gonna bring you up on the stage and hey, hey, Jim, has the gift of teaching. Say hi to Jim, everybody, we're not gonna do that. Why is that important? I mean, it's not that we wouldn't wanna do that, but it's important that you know who the leaders are, why? Well, let me give you an example. Pastor Phil um, has the lion's share of the responsibility to do the preaching here at Golden Hills. So you know that. When he was voted in several years ago, you came to the understanding that Phil is going to be the preaching pastor. He does other things, but a huge part of his job is to do the preaching here at Golden Hills. And why would we appoint him and make that public? Well, so that 15, 20, or 50 of you don't show up with sermons and outlines thinking you're going to preach this morning, (laughs) right? So we need to make it public who the preaching pastor is so that everybody knows who they are. And we do that with elders, we do that with deacons, we do that with pastors. But some of you have the gift, right? So Romans 12 tells us, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy, in proportion to our faith, if service, in our serving, the one who teaches, in his teaching, the one who exhorts, in his exhortation, the one who contributes, in generosity, the one who leads, with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So you can see that even though you might not have the office of elder or pastor, you might have the gift of teaching. You might have the gift of leading. Does that make sense? So this message is for you in a lot of ways, right? Another um, critical responsibility that we all have as disciples of Jesus Christ is to be able to understand and know God's word and defend that. You're gonna hear me talk a lot about a huge responsibility for pastors and shepherds is to be able to handle, teach, handle and teach the word of God and refute false teaching, right? But we all are called to understand that. First Peter three says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. This is a call for everybody to know God's word thoroughly in such a way that you can give an answer when people say, what is it about you, right? I mean, what, what, who is God? What is this, what's the Bible about? That we all need to be able to defend that, but we have to do that with gentleness and respect. But when it comes to the office of elder, pastor, do I have to keep doing that? Probably not, right? Elder, pastor, overseer, they're appointed. It's a public ceremony. Acts 14, 23 says, it's when they appointed elders for them in every church 
with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they have believed. It's important that we know who our leaders are. It's also important to know that you might have some of the characteristics as our leaders as well. So, where are we going from here? Let's take a look at what the Bible says are the responsibilities and characteristics of our leaders. Have you ever wondered that, right? Who are these guys? How'd they get there? What do they do? I mean, clearly, pastors work on Sunday. The rest of the week, we're playing golf. You know, we're doing other cool stuff. I mean, we, we work hard on Sunday, but you know, that is not true. Let's take a look. So in 1 Peter 5, let's talk about verses 1 through 4. One of our elders here, Pastor Elder Malcolm, read this already once. So powerful. So important to understand who these, who these men are, who these people are. 1 Peter 5 says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Here's the call, guys. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Right out of the gate, there's something really important that we see here that pastors, elders, shepherds, overseers, we are called to shepherd the flock of God. You're not our flock. The church belongs to Jesus. He bought the sheep at a very high price with his own blood. He purchased the sheep. Technically, we're under shepherds to you. We answer to the chief shepherd, and one day we're going to have to give an account for how we shepherded his flock. I know, that kind of hangs there, right? Like, wow, I wouldn't want to be a pastor. It's a huge responsibility. But it's important to know that you're not responding to leaders who are kind of making up the rules and have this hidden agenda and this is where we're going and we're all huddling together trying to figure this. No, we answer to the chief shepherd. It's his flock. It also says that we are to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, right? Pastors can't shepherd God's flock sitting in their office um, in front of a computer screen, sending out emails all week long. That's, that's not how it, it's done. We are called to be among the flock. We are called to be involved in your life. And you may be thinking, well, man, I've been trying to get in to see Phil for like um, three months. Let me, let me make sure you understand that. There's 15 of us down here and another five elders. We're all your pastor, okay? We're all responsible to shepherd you. And yeah, sometimes it's important that you, you need to process something through with the lead pastor. But I want you to know we're all making ourselves available. 
to you because you are our responsibility because we're responsible to Christ. It also goes on to say that we are to exercise oversight. You know what that word means? It means means a a couple of things, but it, it has the basic meaning of care, concern, responsible for. Pastors and elders are responsible for you guys to look after you, to have your back, right? To stand in the gap, to step up and stand up for you. And when things are are caving in on you and falling apart, we enter into that pain. We enter into those difficult times and we're there, we're shepherding. We're concerned, we're caring, we're protecting. And yes, sometimes that protection and that care and concern includes warning you. Man, I wouldn't go down there. I wouldn't go down that road. Guarding you, guiding you, correcting you. And even that is out of a concern and a love for you. It's not a controlling, manipulative, my way or their highway kind of a shepherding. Think shepherd, right? Think shepherd and the commitment that a shepherd has to his sheep. There's a lot of wolves out there, guys. One of our huge responsibilities is to guard against the wolves. Not under compulsion, but willingly, sacrificially, eagerly, not controlling. That's what Peter's trying to tell us in this passage, that pastors shepherd the flock, not from personal agendas. It's not us trying to get you to do what we don't want to do. (laughs) That's not what it is either. It's a genuine care. It's a genuine concern. There are some clear qualifications that Paul lays out to Timothy in chapter 3. Let's look at some of those. Okay, these are really, really, really important because this is talking about what kind of a character a pastor, elder, overseer should have. So Paul tells Timothy, this, is, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. Anything else, Paul? (laughs) Okay, this starts off something incredibly important. Pastors aspire to be pastors. I've heard this said, I'm not really even sure who, who came up with this or if there's any, tr- I don't even understand it, but somebody told me when I was first thinking about being a pastor, well, try everything else first, right? And then if you go kicking and screaming, just you don't really want to be a pastor, but just do it. I'm, what is that? That doesn't sound like a very strong aspiration to me, right? It's a noble task. And it starts with an aspiration. And as it continues on, what we see here is that an elder or a pastor, an overseer, 
is expected to have and responsible for Christ-like character, not perfection, right? I think you guys know that, right? You guys aren't perfect. We certainly aren't. But there's a reputation that a pastor has where if, if something did happen, the hope would be something bad would happen, that it would come out. The hope would be that you guys would go, wow, that's surprising. The hope wouldn't be that you would go, yeah, I could see that. That's not a very good reputation, right? Yeah, it's a heavy load. It's a heavy responsibility to carry around a reputation that is above reproach where somebody couldn't walk up one day and say, you are so full of it, Matt. I'm going to tell your congregation that you did this, this, and this. Now, if, if I've got that kind of stuff going on, I can't stand up here, right? I'm not perfect. I'm not claiming to be perfect. But there is a Christ-like character that God is developing in a leader that needs to be above reproach. It's a high calling. It's difficult. So there's a good reputation. It's a faith worth imitating, right? It's a character that someone say, yeah, I, I can see that. And there's this, this level of self-control where pastors aren't flying off a handle and losing it at every turn. We've had a tough couple of years. Every church has. And man, we, it has taken every ounce of God's grace for us to maintain that self-control because everything is going crazy around us. But pastors, elders, overseers, we're called to be gentle, self-controlled, and not controlled by anything, not controlled by substances, not even controlled by our own sin, and not greedy. And that, does, that doesn't just mean money. We can't be greedy with our time. It's, it's easier just to pastor from an office. Get on the phone, make a few calls, try to solve issues through emails. It's harder to get down in there in the, muck, in the mire of conflict, but we're called to that and not be greedy with our time. It goes on to say that he must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of, there that is again, well thought of by outsiders. I think you're trying to say something here, Paul? So that they may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. Are our families perfect? Okay. <laughs> no, our families are not perfect. Here's the bottom line, guys. You want, to you want one of the challenges is about being a shepherd? We're also a sheep, <laughs> okay? We're both a shepherd and a sheep, and we struggle. But what I've seen in the 28-plus years that I've been serving as a pastor at this church, that I've been in this church, is that there is a transparency among the brethren. There is a transparency among the pastors and the elders, where if something is going on, 
We're not keeping that a secret. We're bringing that into the light. We're bringing that into the community and processing that through with accountability. And sometimes things happen where guys have to step down. And other times it can be worked through. All I'm saying is, number one, we're not perfect. But number two, when something does come up, we accept the responsibility of being accountable for that and not hiding, not hiding. Another clear, incredibly important part of being a pastor and elder is that we are able to teach the word of God. Amen? That we know the word of God and that we can teach the word of God. Uh, Paul tells Titus in Titus 1.9 when he's talking about leaders, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. He, mo- he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. The true gospel, sound doctrine. He doesn't get to just go and add a little tweak here, leave that part of the gospel out there because it's too offending. No, it's, it's as it's taught. It's as God's word is properly and accurately taught. He's to hold firm to that so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. From time to time, we can be a little heavy on what we would interpret as false teachers uh, that are going on out there. Yeah, we can come down a lot from this pulpit and other places on false teachers. Why do we do that? Because we're called to do that. Because God's word has to remain true. It has to remain pure. And when someone defiles that, when when some church is teaching bad doctrine and leading people astray, we're going to call that out. It's part of our calling. It's part of our responsibility. It's part of protecting you. We're committed to the gospel as taught. And we're committed to calling it out when it's not taught right. And he also mentioned that pastors can't be new converts. I I remember um, I was a baby Christian, less than a year. And I I wasn't even married yet. I I just, I was loving the church. I, I probably felt a little bit too much, uh, you know, affection or, um, Respect for the leaders. I mean, how can you have too much respect? Well, I mean, I was kind of worshiping the ground they walked on. Our senior pastor at the time was Pastor Larry. This church was just kicking into gear, man. It was the hottest thing in town when it comes to churches, right? And I was coming home from a Bible study and I, I just had this, I, I don't even know what to call it. I don't want to make it sound weird, but it was this very clear, I'm supposed to be a pastor. And, and I'm looking in the back of the seat like, is somebody back there? I mean, it, just, it was just this clear, Thing And I, I didn't know what to do. So I did what you would think I would do. I made an appointment with Pastor Larry. And I said, Pastor Larry, I don't even think I'd met him yet. He, hadn't, he didn't know me from anybody. And I said, hey, I, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor, right? Now, if he was kind of laughing, he was laughing on the inside because he, he was like, he's like, okay, all right, talk to me. And I explained what happened. And basically, what he did was... 1 Peter 5 and 1 Timothy 3. He said, well, what we need to do is see if this is from God. 
And here's what he said to me. He said, well, here's what I want you to do. You're going to need to be able to teach God's word. So you're going to need to go to Bible school. You need to get an education, biblical education. I'm like, okay. And then he said this. He said, in, in the meantime, I want you to get more involved down here at the church. Find a ministry and get involved in that. And get to know us. And get to know who we really are. And if you still want to be a pastor, it's probably from God. That's what he said to me. And I'm thinking, as I think back on that, he was trying to see if I was going to be able to love broken people. Because a recent convert, you know, a new Christian, the head, it's not all there yet. A brand new Christian thinks everyone in the church is great, man, everyone's just perfect, right? That's what I thought. Everyone's squeaky clean, man. I've never seen a bunch of cleaner people in my life. And then as I got to know everybody, I'm like, oh, they're like me. <laughs> and what Pastor Larry was trying to find out is, am I going to be able to love you? Am I going to be able to be a shepherd? And that's what happened. And through years of getting involved in accountability and internships and getting a Bible education, I stood on that uh, stage in the other room. This, this was just a bunch of gravel in a parking lot, but at the time, I know I've been here a long time, don't remind me. I stood on that stage and I was um, licensed to be a pastor at Golden Hills Community Church. I'll never forget. And Larry was the one who handed me my my certificate and, and I had my hand on it and he had his hand on it and he said, now you know we can always take this back. <laughs> and I thought, okay, my mom and dad are here so I'm not sure what the, the, they paid for the school. So I don't. what he was saying is, you do, you do not now have the license to just do whatever you want to do. You are entering into a process of accountability and it's a high calling and you're going to bump into all kinds of things and anyway, brothers and sisters, pastors, elders, overseers, shepherds have made a commitment in their life to care for you, to get involved in your life, to serve you, to teach you. Yes, it can be times of correction, but even that is to be done in love. How could a person possibly do this? Answer, we can't. And on a fairly regular basis, I know I'm not alone in this, we can slip into self-condemnation, a snare of the devil. You're a pastor? And the next thing you know, the shame comes in and the guilt comes in and, and I'm thinking, why would they ever license a guy like me? Well, in those moments is when our chief shepherd shows up, right? And Jesus would say to me and other pastors, man, I'm your shepherd, right? I am your shepherd. I've never asked you to do this on your own. I've never asked you to carry this load. These are my people. These are my flock. I am your shepherd. I got to read Psalm 23. I have got to read Psalm 23, amen? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is your shepherd, right? We're never going to carry this thing. We're never going to figure this thing out. 
We can't lead on our own. We're never called to. We are under shepherds, under the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. When I'm beating myself up, when I'm self-condemning myself and all of that kind of stuff, he comes in, restores that soul, restores that confidence, that restores that hope and showers me with love. And I can come back down here uh, with a skip in my step and be ready to go because the Lord is my shepherd. He's your shepherd too. <clears throat> he leads me in paths of righteousness. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That righteous character, that godly Christ-like character that we're called to have, he's leading me into that righteousness. He's providing that righteousness for me. And sometimes that provision and that leading requires a staff, right? You know, sometimes it requires that. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen. The leaders of your church are called to be under shepherds, under and responsible and accountable to our Lord and each other, to love you and guide you and shepherd you into all truth. What about the deacons, right? What's a deacon? Do we even have deacons? Yes, we do. Deacons are an incredibly important part of a church. Um, a couple of clarifying terms here. That term deacon has a basic meaning of servant. Right? We see this in Mark 9. Jesus talking to the disciples. He sat down, called the 12, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Okay? Last of all and deacon of all. I mean, you can see that Christ is elevating what it means to be a servant or a deacon to a very high degree. In John 12, Jesus says, if anyone deacons me, if anyone serves me, he must follow me and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Here, Jesus is telling his disciples that it's a God-honoring role that God is gonna honor the servants among you. Deacons also there's an office of a deacon, which means, same thing as the elders and pastors, they are going to be appointed and they are going to be publicly recognized. Some of the qualifications um, or another clarification about being a deacon that's different than an elder is deacon's primary role of being a servant, but they have no teaching or ruling responsibilities. That doesn't mean that a deacon can't teach just means that it's not part of his office. Does that mean deacons can't provide oversight? No, they can provide oversight, but it's just not part of their office. So some of the responsibilities and qualifications of deacons, I mean, the main thing is that they serve the church and support the elders. This is so beautifully seen in Acts 6. Remember that story? Early church, Acts 6, they're praying, they're trying to figure it out. And Acts 6 chapter Acts 6 verse 1 says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows <clears throat> were being neglected in the daily distribution. There's a need. There's a, there's a group of people that are being neglected. 
This is a big deal because the church cares for people. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. You can see two things going on here. How incredibly important it is that deacons were appointed to take care of the needs of the church to free up and support the elders and the pastors and the overseers so that they could preach the word of God. So the two were working in unison. Pastors and elders in charge of the oversight of the church, preaching and teaching the word of God. Deacons coming along, supporting that role, making sure the needs of the church are met. And again, Jesus modeled this so beautifully. Jesus was the model deacon. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. That's the word deacon. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the ultimate model deacon, paying the ultimate sacrificial price to take care of the greatest need that we have, our salvation of our souls. So you can see both of these offices are an incredibly important part of the church. What does that say for the rest of us, right? For you guys. What's the congregation's response? Well, as I've already mentioned, a lot of the characteristics that I've mentioned about elders and deacons are commands for everyone else, even if you don't hold the office. What is the congregation's response to the leaders of the church? Hebrews 13, 17 tells us, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Okay, let's just address the elephant in the room. Submitting to authority is not an easy thing to do. It doesn't matter where you are. And I want you to know I understand that. Submitting to authority in our culture is an incredible challenge because authority is suspicious, right? Who can you trust? Day after day after day after day, week after week, parading across the news are leaders, immoral leaders, greedy, selfish leaders who are lording it over people night and day. And it's a hard pill to swallow to say, I'm supposed to obey the leaders and submit. Many of the leaders in our society have been proven untrustworthy, even religious leaders, which makes that even harder. When a religious leader falls, you just go, yep, see, there it is. Or maybe you've been personally hurt 
in a church. Maybe you've trusted some leaders and it did not work out well. You got kicked to the curb. You didn't get recognized. You got hurt real, real bad. You lied to, treated unfairly, who knows what. Maybe you're bouncing around from church to church and you're not sure who you can trust. And here along, the variety of, of Hebrews tells you, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls. I just want to remind you, when it comes to authority in the church, I can't say this for any other institution, but when it comes to the authority in the church, we're not leading from a place of control. You're not submitting to leaders who want to come in and meddle in your life and tell you, everything that you need to do. You're submitting to leaders who have submitted to Christ, right? You're obeying leaders who are obeying Christ. And if you ever get the sense that you're in a church and those leaders aren't submitted to Christ, get out of that church, right? And there's plenty of them. There's hidden agendas. There's people just in it for the money. The fame, whatever, celebrity pastors, whatever, it's all out there. And if you ever get that sense, then yeah, you should exercise your right to distance yourself from people because it's clear they're not an under-shepherd. They're their own shepherd. They're calling the shots. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls. The leaders that the writer of Hebrew is talk, Hebrews is talking about is people who care about your life, is people who sh want to shepherd you into God's holiness, into God's sanctification by, by offering up the accurate doctrine and the correction and the discipline or anything like that. It's in line with Scripture. It's not what we think you should do. It's what God is trying to tell you to do. That's what we're leading you to. That's what we're asking you to obey God, not us. That's a big difference. But I, I've noticed something in my own life because I'm not done yet. I'm still a sheep just like you because I struggle with authority as well. I have no problem submitting to leaders and organizations that agree with me. Have you ever noticed that? Oh yeah, that's a great cause. Oh yeah, I can get behind that. What I'm trying to say is you're already submitting to something, I guarantee you. You're already obeying somebody. I don't know if it's a news feed that you keep getting drawn to because they're speaking your language. And they're, they're saying, yeah, yeah, we need to do this. Yeah, yeah, we need a policy there. Yeah, yeah, we need to do all that. All I'm saying is, I have no problem submitting and obeying people when they agree with me. It's when something comes along that kind of sends a little twitch, like, I'm not sure about that. People, the kingdom of God is foreign to this world, right? It is an upside down kingdom. It has absolutely no affiliation with any worldly organization or worldly government. It's so beyond anything that's going on down here. I guarantee you, because we're not done yet, right? There's going to be things that we're going to see in God's word and hear from this pulpit and learn that we're going to go, I don't know about that. 
But I have found it comes down to this one question. Who is the Lord of your life? Who is on the throne? Because if it's still you, if it's still self, every time an opposing opinion comes up, you're going to get triggered. And and obeying and submitting is going to be hard. But if you're sold out for Christ, if he is the chief shepherd in, in your life, And when something comes up and you get that trigger and you feel that thing, it may not be easy, but you're going to work it out in a whole different way. You're going to acknowledge, I'm not sure about this, but it's in God's word and I trust Jesus. So even though my feelings are kind of going off the chart on this one, I'm going to work this through. I'm going to talk to people with gentleness and respect. I'm going to try to figure out where's the thing in me because it's clearly not in God. It's got to be in me and we're going to work this through to the end. That's what God is calling us to do in the church. Amen? There's a real cost to going rogue, to living without any authority. There's a real cost to that. First Peter says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. There it is again. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gr- gives grace to the humble. Why would it be, as a disciple of Christ, in my best interest to submit to leaders who are under shepherds of Jesus Christ? Why would it be in my best interest to do that? Because God opposes the proud. And I have found in my own life, that's what's pushing this, I don't want to submit to authority thing. I'm I'm proud. It's pride. I want to call my own shots. I want to make my own decisions. I don't want to come under anyone's authority. That's pride. And God opposes the proud. And everything that I need to submit and everything that I need to be accountable and everything that you need, God will provide He'll provide the grace to make you humble to submit to the leaders who are submitted to God. He'll provide it. He'll bring it to you. I want to end this tonight, tonight, today, because I want to try to paint a picture for you. Like the ultimate end goal. What's the point of all of this? The book of Ephesians gives us such a beautiful picture. I just want you, if you want to close your eyes as I read this passage and just envision what Paul lays out here for the church. It's such a beautiful vision. It's such a beautiful goal. Paul says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Do you hear it? Do you see it? God gave these leaders as a gift to the church. Did Matt really say he's a gift from God? Kind of, but it's not weird. He gave the leaders as a gift to the church. Why? Why is that a gift? To equip you, to pour into you, 
to watch over you, to protect you, to correct you, to teach you, to guide you, to equip you to be and do everything that God has called you to do. Because what's going on in the church is not just up to the leaders. We're doing it together. The body grows up into him, into Christ as each part does its work. We're one. We're a community. We're a family. We're a fellowship. We're together. And as God pours in and gifts and, and has people be in offices and all this is working together, he is glorified. We get closer to Christ. We get able to commune with him. We are in his presence. We worship together. We learn together. We figure this out together with Jesus as our head. Do you see that? And it's all for the glory of God. It's not so that we can just stay in here and feel good about everything. It's so that we can go out then. We can go into the nations and we can bring the gospel to people who need to be here, who people God wants to save. He's asking us to do that. He's empowering us to do that. Amen? What happens next is we begin to speak the truth unashamedly. But it's done in love. We're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There's no such thing as a consumer Christian. There's no such thing as a Christian that just sits in the stands while the game's going on on the field. He has called us all to be a part of this body. And as Christ empowers us, each part working together in unison, each part growing together in unison. We get more mature and we grow up into him and we become an incredible force with God at the helm, with God in control, making an impact in the world. That's where we're going. We got to do it together. Amen? Amen. Thank God. I want to end this with, with an appeal. Men. Men, can I talk to you for one minute? Men, we are called to be the leaders of this church. Is this the part where Matt says, okay, this is recruiting elders and deacons? No. You know what? You don't just sign up to be an elder, a pastor, or a deacon. It's something that develops over time. It's a calling. It's important. In a lot of ways, this church is a new church. Guys like me are, are retiring. I've got, not today. <laughs> new guys are coming in all the time. And all I'm appealing to you today, all I'm asking you to do today is answer this question. It's not even, do I want to be an elder? Do I want to be a pastor? Do I want to be a deacon? Answer this question. Do you want to be a godly man? Do you want to be holy? Do you desire God? Do you want to grow? I'm not there. I'm, I know you're not there yet. I'm not, I wasn't there yet. I'm still not there. It's not what I'm asking do you want to grow? Do you want to mature? 
Do you want to honor God with your life at home, at church, at work, wherever? Is that something you want? I'm not asking you if you're there yet. It starts with an aspiration. It starts with a desire to please God, to honor God, to bring glory to God, to treasure Christ above all. Is there a seed of that in you? If there is, don't sit on that. We are a discipling church. We want to hear from you. We will invest in you like they invested in me all those years ago. We want to shepherd you. We want to teach you. You just need to say something, man. You need to come forward. You need to step up. And now is the time. Amen. Father, I just pray this morning as we Oh God. There's a lot going on here today. There's a lot of information. There's a lot. It's a lot. But Father, we, just, we need you to help us sort this out. We're coming together as a body. Committed to your word committed to each other and we're asking you to guard our heart, guard our mind protect us from the wolves shower your love and grace upon us call the men If it requires a conviction, then bring a conviction. But call all of us, men and women, brothers and sisters, to be one, to be united with Jesus as our shepherd, with Jesus as our head. Now go before us, God. We beg you in Jesus' name. Amen.